0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, April 23rd, 2021. Well, recently we have talked about swimming into the deep end of the theological pool, especially as we have read through Romans 9 through 11, that we're talking about some pretty deep topics that are being addressed here in these chapters. For instance, what is the relationship between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man? Also, what's going on with Israel and the church? And these are topics that can be confusing to many people, partly because we start leaning into some things that we can't fully comprehend for instance how exactly do god's sovereignty and human responsibility completely work together some of that is beyond our ability as finite human beings to fully comprehend uh, but as we think through these things uh, one way people often respond to the chapters in to the truths in these chapters is by being confused but also by debating. I mean, you think about these things, there's a lot of debate that happens even amongst Christians on what is the best way to explain the relationship between God's sovereignty and human responsibility, or what is the relationship between Israel and the church. There is a lot of discussion about all of these things. But the question that I want us to ask today as we wrap up Romans 9 through 11 as that when we encounter truths like these, do we leave confused and debating, or humbled and worshiping. Because I think if we really pay attention to what is being said here in Romans chapter 11, I think we should leave these three chapters humbled and full of worship to God because that's what I think the Bible is trying to teach us through these things. As we pick it up in Romans chapter 11, we see continued conversation about what is going on with the nation of Israel and also talking about the church. And here there's this example of this olive tree and presenting Gentile believers as uh, we, we are branches that have been grafted into this tree. And it goes on to talk about really God's promises towards the nation of Israel. And there's warnings in here to not be proud Verse 18 says, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. And so here there is very much a warning against arrogance. And that's a needed thing for us modern and Predominantly Gentile believers who might be reading through the Bible together with this program, where we need to not just look back at the nation of Israel with a sense of superiority and say, Oh, look at the Israelites and how they were so unfaithful, or Oh, look at the Israelites and how they missed their Messiah. No, we need to be careful that we are not arrogant and we need to remember that we are sinners and the reason that we are saved is the grace of God, and the means through which we are saved is not our works, but by By faith. So clearly, we should be humbled by this passage. And really by all of these passages, I think that if we walk away from either of these topics that we've been talking about, God's sovereignty and human responsibility, or the relationship of Israel and the church, we should walk away with humility. Nobody should walk away from these topics thinking, well, I deserve the salvation that I have. No, we should all walk away amazed at the mercy of God, that he would save us and show us that grace. And I do believe that one of the messages of Romans 9 through 11 is God's faithfulness to the people of Israel and even the future that he has for them. In verse 29, it says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And I believe one of the reasons he's saying that is to say, hey, the the gifts and the promises that God has made to the nation of Israel, he's not going to take those back. And I do think, even if you're not uh, a Jewish believer, for any of us, though, that truth also, that's something that we can hold on to. Our salvation, the promises that God has made to us are irrevocable. And and so we should end this chapter uh, not confused, uh, not just wanting to go find someone that would explain some element of this differently than us and debate with them. We should leave this humbled where we realize, wow, I don't deserve the salvation that I have, and I am thankful to God for it. But also, we should leave these chapters worshiping. That's how Paul leaves these chapters. Notice how he ends after these discussions from chapters 9 through 11. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so even as we think about those Verses. I want that to be the cry of all of our hearts as we conclude this passage of scripture. I want all of us to be crying out with worship at how wise God is, and we want to confess that He, God, does not need our help. We do not counsel God. He, he we have not given something that He needs to repay. He doesn't owe us. Anything for from him and through him and to him are all things. So especially if we are saved and this great and wise God has saved our soul through his mercy, what can we do but respond with thanks and with worship to him? And even as we think about responding with thanks, that's something that God clearly calls for that we see now in Psalm 50, where today we're looking at verses seven through 15. And in this uh, chapter, we saw yesterday the picture of God as a righteous judge. And here he, he starts kind of giving his judgment and he calls them out really that they are doing their sacrifices. It seems that they're going through the motions of their religion, but he's saying, Hey, I don't need your sacrifices. And again, there's the idea of Romans 11 who has given a gift to God that he should be repaid? God doesn't need our offerings, and he kind of gets to that in verse 10 where he says, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. He's kind of saying, How can you give me something that's already mine? All the cattle is mine. So it's not really the sacrifices that God is after. It is the heart. He says in verse 12, if I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world and its fullness are mine. So what is God truly looking for? Obviously, I think God did want the people to do the sacrifices. He told them to do the sacrifices, but he's not so much wanting them just to go through the motions. He wants their heart. And what is it in their heart that he wants? We see that in verses 14 and 15. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and perform your vows to the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. We need to be giving our thanksgiving to God. And also God wants us to genuinely call on him in the day of trouble. So more than people that just want to sit around and debate theology, although there may be a time and a place for that, God wants people whose hearts are full of thanksgiving and even hearts that depend on him. And when trouble comes, they actually lean on God and look to him for help. Another thing that we should think about in our response to God and his faithfulness is that of loyalty. And we're going to see that in Joshua 23 and 24. This is Joshua's kind of farewell speech in these two chapters. He is old. He is about to die. The conquest is over, but he is charging the people to be faithful to God. And one thing that you will see that he does is he reminds them of what God has. Has done In chapter 23, he reminds them of the inheritance that they received. In chapter 24, he goes all the way back to Abraham and the story of how God called him and how they went down to Egypt and how God brought them out and all the kings that they were able to defeat because God was fighting for them. And in response to this, he calls them to be loyal to God. In chapter 23, verse 11, it says, be very careful. Therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them, so that you associate with them and they with you, know that for certain the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they will be a snare and a trap for you. So he's reminding them hey, look at what God has done. Now hold on to him, love him. Don't turn aside and love the things of these nations. And therefore, we, we also see in chapter 24, the response that probably many of you have hanging on some kind of carving or a photo in your house. He's telling them to choose who they will serve. Are they going to serve God? Or are they going to serve these foreign gods? And he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So even as we consider, as it said in Romans, the kindness and severity of God, even as we consider the fact that we do not deserve our salvation, but it has been given to us by God, we need to remember and really commit, God, I want to be faithful to you. I don't want to turn back to the sins of my former life. I don't want to turn my attention to the false gods of this world. As for me and my house, we want to serve the Lord. As we wrap up today in Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 21, we see the call of Jesus and how he chooses the 12 disciples who he calls apostles. And it's good to read this passage under in light of the call of the church to make disciples. That Jesus, even as he started ministering to the crowds and there was a great crowd, he needed help. And so he trained up men to do ministry with him. And we should see this should still be model the model of churches today. Our mission is to make disciples to reach, teach, and train. And that's going to involve calling people to come and follow Christ and also raising up people then to help serve, to call others and train them to follow Christ as well. So in this passage in Matthew, we see a little snapshot of what the church should be doing. And we know that the church should be a place that is described by humility and worship. And as we consider the great truths that we have I've been thinking about in Romans 9 through 11, may we leave today uh, humbled and may we leave today filled with worship. And may I leave you again with the words of Romans 11. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid. For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.